Yo. How am I going to say this? Hello and welcome to the first episode that I'm recording since since when? I think it's the first episode in 2023, to be honest. And I was holding back because I realized that I had nothing more to say. And even now I feel like I'd rather not say anything. Because the emotional load that I'm carrying just by being alive is sometimes overwhelming. And I don't think I want to really go into this episode, I'm not sure. Because I literally haven't really recorded episodes. I've created content, but because this podcast is the first thing I started, I also feel like I want to engage with it at least once in a while. I have no idea who is listening to this. When I look at the numbers, it looks like nobody cares about what I'm doing. Book sales seem stagnant. I have, however, moved to a new apartment, which my parents are paying, which is weird. But I'm also grateful. And when I talk to people about this, some say it's all right, you know. Others say it's stupid. You can say or label it as jealousy. Or you can just accept it for what it is, right? It's a perspective. And I get it. Because if you don't have parents that can afford to pay their son an apartment, it is very hard to understand how it feels like to have parents that are willing to pay an apartment for you and then accept it and say, I'm grateful that I have parents that can pay my apartment and that I can simply do what I want to do and keep doing it. Because I like to do it. And because there are people who support me. And there are some people now in my life that support me with friendship, with the time that they spend with me, 
because I've been alone for a long time now. And a lot of people pushed me away. I felt like other people were using me. But I also say that is okay, right? It's like, it's a challenge. And the last couple of weeks I've been running around town, recording, taking pictures, speaking with people, making a difference, creating an impact, making ripples for the tsunami of passion to flood this city. And it's a hell of a job, I'm telling you. People are stuck in so many ruts. And I go and give them something different. I walk like an animal. I talk about weird things that most people don't really understand. I mean, you mention duality to people, they don't really get it. But it's the concept of, you know, there's a left, there's a right, where's the middle? You're a Nazi, you're a left wing, you're a Republican. It doesn't matter, man. Just don't piss me off too much. Right? That's like the kind of the standpoint you have to have in a separated culture that uses separation to create money. And it makes me sick, but I'm also grateful. Because whatever it's worth, I can still appreciate stuffing myself with all the food that is available. And even though I publish pictures with the hashtag NoFap, once in a while I still masturbate to relieve tension. But I'm not really aimlessly masturbating. And if I look back to how much I used to masturbate, you know, 10 times a day, now it's maybe once in a while. And I think that's all right. So as long as I'm okay with it, which to a certain degree I am, then go for it, man. But I also realize and acknowledge that if I want to be with a woman, you see, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Because there are men that have women and they still masturbate. So why can't I? Do I have responsibility, more responsibility than others, simply because I am quite conscious about my actions and the actions of others and people can't really play games with me anymore. Well, they can. 
sometimes I sit here and I realize I don't actually know a lot about the people that I spend time with or that I call my friends. You know, they speak to me, they say certain things. And I sometimes have the feeling there's something else reverberating somewhere in the distance of what they've said. And most of the day-to-day I spend sorting out everything that people have told me and looking for truth. Sometimes I demonize people for a while just to figure out how to engage with them in the future. Right? It's like, whoa, I think maybe that person is a criminal. Maybe that person has a criminal background, right? So sometimes I like to get a little bit paranoid just to see Right, if I go into this, what if this person is really crazy? Can I still afford to spend time with that person? Are they just using me? Is everybody evil? And when I do this for a while, it's weird because you would think that it would actually be bad but the the truth is that it opens me up because as soon as i start demonizing someone i always get back to the oh wait but they still helped me a lot right i mean well even if they would be drug dealers or something i mean i still like spending time with them and i also like people that stretch the law a little, that just do what they want anyway, even though the state demonizes what they are doing. But the only people who demonize something are demons themselves, because they like to draw attention away from them. And... To be honest, I don't really know if I can afford to record episodes now. I also had the feeling this was supposed to be something like a bonus episode. Because 2024 is still a long way off. And instead of recording everything now I just wanted to say that I still exist that I'm glad very glad that I recorded my podcast beforehand for the entire year I'm really glad because if I hadn't done this I wouldn't be able to make all these experiences and the same goes for my YouTube channel Because I already put in the work, I can relax a little now. And I don't have to overexert myself. 
because I've worked hard for a while and now I'm taking it a little easy. So at the moment I don't write any books because I'm sick of sitting behind my laptop. The only thing I do is Instagram, making pictures. I walk around, I look at things. And I try to feel what I'm supposed to do next. And... Yeah, I really think what I'm supposed to do next is I really want to have sex. And I say with a woman. And that still hasn't changed, that I'm obsessed with this one woman. I've tried in the last couple of months to get together with other women. But every time I tried, there was a certain boundary which I could not cross. You know, I was able to touch a woman, but I wasn't able to kiss or sleep with her. And in that sense, even if I did watch twice porn yesterday, or yesterday and once today because now it's about four in the morning the woman I see when I watch porn is the one that I love so can you say that I'm really cheating because every woman I talk with is the woman that I fell in love with and you may say that's weird but sometimes I talk to a woman and then I have the feeling you know, she's looking at me. Every woman reminds me of her. And I feel like she's in there somewhere. And I don't really get it. I mean, just to scare you a little, the world that I live in is never fixed, is never stagnant. Everything is basically temporary. Even the buildings change. Everything changes. Faces of people change. One time I meet someone, he looks different. Is it the same person? Where was he while I was at home alone in my room? I'm not even sure that any of you exist while I'm talking about this. You see, that's the weird thing about this idea of oneness. You know, if oneness exists, then who am I when I'm sitting here? I mean, these kind of questions are constantly there. And they drive me insane. Because when I'm here alone, this is all there is. And then I go outside and then I meet people and I speak with them and then they're gone. And then I feel like, where are they when I'm here? I really think sometimes nobody really exists. That the real dream is this here. That I'm dreaming all the time. But what does that mean? You know, if this is the dream, then what does it mean to be awake? 
It makes no sense. And the weird thing is that the longer I stay awake, the more I lose touch with the world that other people see. But in general, it's all right. I'm getting to know a lot about myself every time I engage with someone, which is this idea of the teaching. I think it's called an upaguru. Upaguru. I've picked this up from Ramdas. <clears throat> And that is when you don't really have a person that teaches you something. You have several. You know, life is your teaching. Every experience that you make. And that's why I go to a great extent to make experiences so that I can evaluate what is happening to me. I need to feel something to know if I'm going in the right direction. If something makes me stronger, I'm going to do it. And if I'm really tired and I feel like I'm just craving a woman or I just want to see some breasts, you know, I'd rather watch a porn than to run around town and look for a prostitute or somebody I could have sex with because as soon as I sleep with someone, I basically become part of her life. And I don't want that anymore because I'm already part of someone's life. And even if we don't see each other, we feel each other even over a distance. Which then also is the idea of oneness. That everything exists at the same time and we are all connected. So whether, right, my friends are actually parts of myself, whether my friends are actually my own distortion of reality. Because it's possible that I create my own friends. And that the challenge in this life is to learn to figure out who my real friends are. Because I've had many people that I may have considered friends. And I realize that none of them You know, they didn't really feel like friends. And I don't really feel like being with them anymore because I've changed. And now my friends look a bit different. But they're also still the same, right? So, <clears throat> everything changes... But somehow everything is also still the same, if that makes any sense, which of course it doesn't. Because to, in order to make sense, things would have to be statement. Because making sense is like having a fixed opinion. And that makes no sense at all. Because every day you wake up, you open your eyes, something is different. Because you've made new experiences. But you can only appreciate having made those experiences, no matter how tough they've been. 
if you see them as teachings, if you see them as lessons, if you see them as something to learn from. <clears throat> and even if that makes no sense, it makes sense to me because I have to cling to something, right? I mean, I have to cling to something. Why? Because in that sense, I'm an individual. I'm an individual. And I like the idea, even if it might be untrue, that other people do exist, even when I'm here alone in my room. And it's hard to imagine other people at night because everybody's asleep. It's easier to imagine them during the day, which is something I actually haven't realized until now. But now that I've said it, I have. And that also makes me at least a little bit grateful that I'm recording this now. But at the same time, I also don't like it. But I also do like it. You know, it's just like having summer. When summer is there, I love it. And when summer is gone, I'm longing for it. I like winter to a certain degree. You know, I like change. But if it would always be summer, Yeah, it might actually get a little boring after a while. I like seasons because they also change the way I eat. My habits change. You know, I like it that there is a full moon and a new moon. So I like seasons. I enjoy the heat as long as it's there. And as much as I know that Mosquito bites are acupuncture and they activate the self-healing abilities of me or my body or my spirit or whatever. I also like it when there's no mosquitoes or when the mosquitoes are sleeping or I don't know where mosquitoes go when it's winter, right? Maybe there's mosquitoes that dig into the ground and are 20 years old or 200. Maybe we just assume that they only live one year. You know, it's possible. Maybe all mosquitoes are one mosquito. Who is to say? So I've also changed my habits a little. I've let go of this idea that sugar is really bad. So right now I'm drinking green tea with cinnamon sugar. And I brought it to a boil. And I cannot say that sugar is bad anymore. I think it's the mindset with which you eat it. If you say, I would like to eat something sweet now because it helps me to do something. 
Of course, if all your teeth are falling out, it might be bad, but maybe they're only falling out because you think that they should fall out because you're eating too much sugar. Because that's basically the idea that dentists have planted in your mind, right? And you can also cleanse it. You can, for example, if you have problems with your teeth, you can roll a cigarette with sage, even white sage. And if you're a smoker anyway, you can put sage and mix it with your tobacco. I buy sage, loose sage tea, from a tea shop. And then I use it and I mix it with tobacco and I mix it with tobacco and cannabis. Because for some reason I still like tobacco, but not, you know, I need also something else in there. So I mix tobacco with sage and then sometimes cannabis. And that gives what I'm smoking a bit more variety. I can even change, for instance, sage with mint, which gives me a much fresher taste. I've never tried it, but now that I've heard it, it actually becomes interesting. And I think there's a certain greed that I have. And then I feel like nothing can satisfy. I feel like if I would be with the woman I love right now, I just would do nothing else. But even that, right, it's like certainly everybody knows it. Even if you haven't experienced it, you know, you can see it with other people that in the beginning they're really greedy with each other it's like watching movies right in the beginning you're really greedy and you just want to watch a lot of movies or you want to play a lot of computer games and then you realize it just gets more and more boring you know maybe for a while warcraft was really the thing and if you survived it <laughs> And just thinking about these people that you know, you don't want to judge, but it's just interesting how you can identify with a character, and if you cannot manage to maintain the character, you feel like you can't live anymore. That's what computer games do. You know, it's like they keep you hooked because you're developing a character that doesn't exist, and that's the problem. Because if you're honing the skills of an artificial projection of yourself, if you want to call it like this. Because what is, let's say, you play Super Mario. Then Super Mario is basically your own projection. You know, you're running through this computer game to rescue the princess. But if you keep playing that for the rest of your life, then who's the princess that you want to rescue right or marry you know who's the princess 
the how is it called the damsel in distress right so you have to find when you're a man that damsel in distress which wants you only you you know she's been waiting for you and you have to imagine her and really believe and trust that she is real because that's the real challenge to recognize someone who wants you and then to not go insane about the thought that maybe I'm the one that created her because or maybe she created me right or maybe we came here together and we only had to find each other you see there are so many perspectives and what I learned is never let a perspective ruin your experience because ultimately it doesn't matter whether you created something you know I mean maybe I created apples and I love eating them I mean apples are great but maybe also somebody else created apples you know that's the idea of manifestation because what I realized is when I look back at my life and I see myself in this moment right here and I start reflecting with all the experiences that I've made recently and all the insights I've had onto how I used to be as a child I realized that everything I'm doing today and which I feel overly proud of because I think oh my god I'm so super conscious you know I'm so conscious about everything I'm doing but every time I do things I realize I actually have no idea what I'm doing because I think I'm helping people and then I think hey I'm just gonna go to a playground and I see a mother sitting on a bench and a child is playing and I think hey I think you know I like this city I want to figure out how mothers feel do they feel safe on playgrounds in this city uh, Lüdenscheid by the way it's a nice place also for hiking anyway so I go I don't know why I just said that I sometimes have the feeling that because I like this city I should boost tourism here but then I also think every city that has a lot of tourism basically gets ruined and I also don't think that many people could survive here because we are a harsh people and that's probably also why not many tourists like coming here which is actually nice because it keeps this place safe from too much change anyway what I was saying was that um, just let me think about it yeah probably have to stop thinking about things and I already know that once I've said something I basically already forgot 
sometimes I meet people and then when I don't see them the longer it takes the less meaning it has that we even met in the first place and then I feel a bit like um, you know have I a heart of stone but I also say it's like you know I have to preserve myself right if I keep missing people and longing for them it's like it's very suffocating and it's very hard to live in the moment if you constantly think that there's somebody missing because who's missing when you like yourself right if you like your own company that's also a reason why I don't really want to invite anyone here I mean I have You know, don't judge me. But sometimes I meet people and they seem to like me. And recently I have the feeling that if I spend time with men, they're all gay. It's really weird. Why is everybody gay? You know, I really have the feeling that a lot of men are, or at least would like to be with a man. And I don't really get that. I don't think it's just me. But I hear these stories. And sometimes, you know, there's this young... Yeah, he's like a boy, right? He's still in school. You know, he has issues with his father. And then he comes to me and we talk. And I once went for a hike with him. It's really weird. But you know what the feeling is? It's not that everybody is gay. It's that a lot of people crave for masculine energy. And I seem to have a lot of it. Not just my voice, you know, it's just my entire presence. I mean, I do walk around like a gorilla. I haven't filmed it yet, but I'm doing it. You know, I've really trained. And sometimes maybe I scare myself a little. Because I can be quite explosive. And so it also feels good right now to sit here and to just reflect on things a little and to record it. Because if I'm not recording it, I don't really feel like talking. And if I don't talk for too long, I'm going insane. Yeah. I think you know the drill already. I'm not really, you know, I don't have to stretch it out. But I think I would like to. And just to show you that I can, I will just roll a little cigarette. Take some more tea. But I'm going to let this here keep going. Want to put on a song that I like? Because I actually don't think that they will sue me for that. But you never know. This was 35 minutes. And it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning.
And that sounds kind of nice. You know, I'm not saying that I'm always enjoying what I'm doing. But when I'm doing it, I like it. Which also sounds weird, but...
Not, not bad for early. I never sang that song before 8 p.m. <laughs> Ever. My, my. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. And thank you for having me at the tiny desk along with my buddy here, Stingy. <laughs> and uh, should we do another number? Let's do Don't Make Me Wait. All right. Just a second.
<clears throat> it's a weird position that I'm in now. Also a very spontaneous thing now, but it was just building up, like literally like, and I just had to speak. And I was looking for something else to do, but today was the first day in a while that I didn't leave the house, and it was a challenge. Because I have to say that I feel often like I owe this to the people that I spend time with them because I love them so much, and it's crazy. And I have this weird habit of going to people <clears throat> instead of just letting them come to me, and I don't like it. I'm trying to not do this anymore. It's very hard. Yesterday I got some hash from, I think you can consider them friends. We've played frisbee sometime. And I'm not quite sure that I like it, but somebody called me frisbee the other, other day and I thought, is that something I want to get used to? Is it disrespectful? I think it's alright if people call me Frisbee. But I would always remind them. Maybe my name was always Frisbee. And maybe it's Christopher. Because in German I don't say Christopher, I say Christopher. And I've often had it that people gave me nicknames and I thought they were discriminating me, but maybe they just liked me. But I don't know why they need a nickname to like me. Why can't they just like me as Christopher? Because I have the feeling that nicknames are a way to downsize. And I don't think Odysseus or Hercules, you know, I don't think people called them, hey, Hercule. Or, hey, Odi, I think uh, it's a matter of respect to call a man by his given name. Because only a true man persists on his name. This is also the first episode I'm recording in this apartment. It took me about a month to feel at home here, to create en enough of a mess and to come and go often enough to feel like now I can actually stay for some time. But I also had work to do with people. 
which you may call sadhana or satsang. Because sadhana is the spiritual work, which I would say has almost a selfish attitude towards it, towards life. Because sadhana is for my own purification. But sadhana only works if I acknowledge that I'm not just purifying myself, but also my surroundings. And that's why when your spiritual trip is beginning, and you feel like something is changing, your awakening, and you need change to survive in order to seize the suffocation of being pushed around by other people's needs and your wish to fulfill those needs. And satsang is basically spiritual work, but in the community. It's basically giving back. But in order to give back, you first have to acknowledge that you received. Which is why I am quite resolute to not eat meat. Because I'm grateful for nature. And I don't want animals to suffer in the way that they suffer, if I can help it. And when I eat those animals, then they become also part of me. And that means that their suffering is now a part of me. And I'm already suffering for a lot of people. You know, every time I speak with someone and they're disrespectful. Yeah, they're also disrespecting themselves, of course. And I'm good at evening the scales. And that's why I like playing frisbee. Why? Because if somebody is showing a kind of a disrespect towards me, then there's like this open challenge. There is a score to be settled. And I've become quite adept at sniffing out when somebody's taking a piss on me. So the other day I once met some young boys. I was walking around taking pictures and they were looming around this weird kind of backyard. And I just started speaking with them. You know, they acted like tough guys or nice guys. I mean, they were maybe 16, maybe 18, something like that. And... At one point, one of them, because I was just standing there holding my ground and they tried to take a piss on me and I always flipped the coin around and back into their faces. And at one point, one of the guys, you know, he started to to threaten me and I said, come on, man, what are you waiting for? It's an open challenge. You know, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to do that. Uh, maybe I would. I don't know. But if he would have a gun and pointed at me, I would probably behave different. But most people, they're just angry. And angry is like, you know, if you're just angry, then you're also afraid. 
You know, it's this kind of righteous anger where you want somebody to be wrong. And that's what I experience every time I meet people. They're testing me to see if I'm really as relaxed or grounded as I appear to be. And that means that if I do my animal movement in the park, I have to suffer that people try to bring me discomfort because while I'm doing these kind of yoga poses, I call it monkey yoga. Where I walk around on all fours and suddenly somebody's starting to bark at me. It's like, all right. No, let's do something different then. So I start making handstands. I'm working on my backflips, so I'm doing all kinds of exercises. I climb on trees. And at the very latest, at this stage, they realize that they were wrong to bark at me, which is when they feel ashamed, which is when they feel afraid, because when they see that I'm quite fit and strong and that I can hold my ground, you know, they just leave. So what happened was I was with these young boys or young men and as a way to test me, he had a balloon, an empty balloon, and he blew it up. And you know how you can squeeze the opening of the balloon and then it sounds like a fart. And he was holding it in my face and I had this kind of intuition. I raised my left hand and I did this gesture that Spock does where he splits the the left ring finger and the middle finger. And I was holding it Towards the balloon, I was saying, the joke is on you. And I kept repeating that. And I had no idea why I was doing it, but I was basically reflecting it upon himself. And I always make sure that if I leave the scene, I go with at least a little bit of dignity. But if you leave, then you're basically the one that's leaving, so... Sometimes it's better to stay until the end if you can take it, if you can hold your ground, because sometimes staying until the end means being threatened. Now, it was, I believe, yesterday, the day before yesterday. I was walking through the city, I was walking back, it was dark. And these young boys or young men, you know, they were looking for me. And that was a couple of weeks back after our first encounter. I met them on the streets and then they said, oh, we finally found you. And they turned on their camera on their phones and they started filming me. Which, of course, is a sign of fear that they feel like they need the phone as a backup so that I won't uh, do something to them because they're afraid of me, quite sure about that. And because they did it, I just kept walking. And I met them again another time, and then last time I met them again, and I was walking along the streets, and then I saw two guys, and the one looked at me and he said, he said something to me, and then I disregarded him, and he said, 
you're just a junkie. And then I immediately went over to him because he was on the other side of the street, which he thought probably was a safe distance to call me a junkie. And then I went to him and it's like, who are you calling a junkie man? Are you trying to take a piss on me? And then he walked away. You know, I'm a bluffer. I can bluff. You know, my voice, the way I hold myself, I'm quite strong. I mean, I know what I'm doing. And sometimes you have to set some boundaries so that people respect what you stand for, which is a man, right? But you don't do so with violence. You just do so by showing them that you have no fear or that you know how to engage with fear. Well, he walked away from me and I did nothing. No, I just walked to him and said, who are you calling a junkie? And he walked away from me. But the next time we met, they came again and they saw me sitting in a bar and they were like, hey, what are you doing there, you know? So it's kids. You know, it's like, I'm a kid as well, inside. But I also have to be an adult to protect myself. You know, not just from people who want to punch me or something, but just from emotional abuse by being used to make others feel better. So all I have to do is mirror them that I know what I'm doing. But to call a guy like me a junkie, it's like, do you know what you're doing, man? Because sure, you know, I'm a peaceful guy. But I may not be. You know, I may be crazy. You don't know that. Sometimes people make fun of people they see on the streets. And I think, that's really stupid. Because you don't know what another person is carrying. I've had moments where I was doing my... Yeah, I don't want to talk about everything that I did. Because it's also a lot of, it's a big emotional package, what I've done ever since I moved out. And there's a really intense story about the way I was moved out. Because it wasn't entirely my choice. It was my choice. It was my choice. But, right, I like doing things while being a little bit ignorant of why I'm doing it. And that allows me to be in flow. So when I make an image, I don't really know what I'm drawing. I'm just drawing. And then suddenly I have something because I followed my feelings. So I have a goal. I, you know, that's my goal. I want to make an image. But when I'm doing the image, I'm just doing the image. You know, I am the image then. You know, I'm drawing what I have inside of myself onto a paper. And sometimes I don't want to do it, either because I'm not quite sure yet what I'm feeling. Or maybe I've already drawn everything that I felt and now I need to feel something else. Which is why I can continue to make art and record episodes and make videos or learn how to freestyle and stuff 
because I keep challenging myself by making new experiences and discovering new boundaries. Right? I'm walking like a chimpanzee on my hands and legs on all fours, but like a chimpanzee. That's, you know, I'm not walking like a dog, I'm walking like a chimpanzee. Which means, you know, I don't walk on my fists, I don't only walk on my hands. You know, it's like I curl up my hands into a claw, like a chimpanzee does. Right? It's like my fingers are bent at the lowest joint, and that's then the surface on which I walk. And I walk like that through the park and I climb on trees in short pants and no shirt and bare feet. I have a good beard. My hair is starting to grow longer now. I've spent a lot of time in nature and I can feel now when I sit here and speak that it has transformed me into a being of nature, basically. I sometimes feel like I'm a monkey. And certainly my time with the vervets has enabled me to do that because I have studied their movements. But while I was studying them, I wasn't aware that I would use it in such a way or that it would help me to become what I was supposed to be. Because I had no idea. You know, I have a beginning. I feel like I have a beginning. Which you may say is every moment, but you also may start at birth. And I also have an end, which is death. But whatever lies in between, I have no idea. Right? You feel like... There's a, a time span between life and death. But life is death. I mean, being born means in a way to die. Because what dies? I mean, before you were a fetus or an embryo in the womb of a woman. So they say. And then you come out. And suddenly, you're a baby. And then you're like a toddler. You know, then you are on all fours. And then you start walking on two legs. Yeah, and then they put shoes on you and they screw it all up. So having walked barefoot for some time certainly has also helped me. To experience this. And it was a long road. From being a crippled. Masturbating. Computer addicted. Human. To someone who can sit here alone. And enjoy it. At least to a certain degree. There's always this whiff of it's a drag. Right? I'm always in a state of. A bit of suffering, right? Because I always miss something. And I'm always worried about something. And that's exactly what keeps me going. Because if I would sit here and have the feeling 
there's nothing for me to do anymore, I would leave. Trust me, I would leave. I was there. I could have left. But the reason I stayed was the knowledge that there are people that I love and that I want to continue to love and where I have the feeling I can make a difference in their lives. And that's basically the only reason I'm staying. Because if it were just for me, I would leave. And that's why suicide is a selfish act. It's also a very boring and sad death. You know, it's hard to judge it, but... I mean, I had the option to do it. Just, you know, you have it all the time, and I say, but I want to live. You know, I want to make experiences. I want to scare, you know, these little punky teenagers these days a little because they have no respect anymore because all the men I meet are so exhausted from the work they're doing and the lack of time they spend in nature and in bare feet. And because it basically everybody's masturbating. You know, people don't know anymore what real men are like. And that's why I feel like I can make a difference. Because I have the knowledge. I have a strong connection to my ancestors for some reason. You know, so I have to take responsibility for these abilities. But until I had honed my qualities by sorting out what was me and what was expectations from others, I was very uncertain about what I could do because I've never tried what I could do. And now I realize the way I play frisbee, sometimes I feel like I'm flying through the air. I mean, I'm like Michael Jordan in Space Jam. You know, sometimes I have the feeling my arm is stretching a little. And that's where I say, I cannot live this material dream anymore. To me, everything's fluid. I mean, I'm an Aquarius, for Christ's sake. You know? I mean, there's a meaning to these things. You know, I'm quite a wobbly figure. So I needed stability. And that also in the form of, because what does it mean when you train? You're building up trust. Because if I don't know that I can stand for two hours without tiring and being in perfect health, then how can I trust that I can do it, right? You know, if you have never hiked, then it's hard to trust in yourself that you can survive a five-day hike, right? So in order to know how to trust yourself and to become who you are, you have to make experiences and then try to realize, does that really motivate me? 
running has never motivated me. I did it. And sometimes I'm still doing it. But it's not something I have to do every day. Because I've eaten and I've fasted, I realize I like food. And food, when I make it myself, because I am creating the energy that I ingest. Then this food helps me to do what I want to do here. And going to nature and playing frisbee and talking to people and holding the space for others to heal. And to keep up the good mood, if you will, I have to make certain choices. Right? Which means, yes, I know I shouldn't have watched these two porns that I did. I did it, it's alright, and now I realize the reason I watched those porn images was I actually had to talk about my experiences. You know, stuff was building up and I was trying to get it out and I was too lazy to do something. But that's not true, actually. I would say the emotional weight was too big to lift it. You know, I drank two coffee. I already smoked a joint today. I ate food. I slept a lot. And then I drank that tea. And suddenly I was ready. And I got so nervous about recording this because I thought I would hate it. But I really realized that something has changed. And that's why I'm so grateful that I pre-recorded the entire year. Because that really meant I had now a good six and a half month. Maybe even a bit more. Certainly more. I'm not sure when I finish recording the podcast. I did it because a feeling told me to do it. And now I have an experience that really tells me or translates into life. It sounds too smart. I didn't want to say it. I have no idea what it means. It translates into life. All right. Let's say you have a vision. You have a vision of who you could be, this strong man, right? People who like Naruto, Dragon Ball. Marvel movies, superheroes. That's your vision, man. That's your alter ego. But instead of trying to become Batman, or trying to become Superman, and being trapped in that impossible role of always being perfect, you become Rorschach. Nah, not really. He's too angry, man. That's from the Watchmen movies. You see, it's hard to find a superhero that is both. It's like Hellboy, actually. You know, he's a bit of a slob. You know, he likes his booze and a bit of a mess. But if it comes to fighting, you know, he's all game. That's actually more who I am. I like to be a bit of a devil. 
Because if you're only trying to be an angel, you will just walk around with your nose up in the air because half of you is darkness, my friend. The yin and the yang. You know, all these aristocrats, they act like they're the angels, but they're also the devils, right? Because they're okay with being wealthy, while other people live on the streets that actually would need help. I'm not saying they need money, man. I'm saying they just need a friend. That's all I'm saying, right? I'm not saying go to the Bronx and sit with the homeless. It really depends on where you live. If you're really living in a poor city, that means that people that live on the streets are like angry wolves. The people that live on the streets here, they're like quite tame. You know, I'm, I'm telling you that's the way it is. Sure, there's violence and stuff, mostly self-directed. Because if you're drunk, it's really hard to punch someone. So you just, you know, basically punch yourself by denying yourself to heal. Because if you keep drinking booze every day, you know, it's like very hard to walk straight. You know, I've tried. One beer is fine to keep me in a state of flow. But if I drink another one, you know, it's like, okay, it's getting a little more slippery. And with five beer, you know, I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to remember what I've done. Which I feel like I have anyway a lot. Sometimes I go through phases and then after I'm through, I'm like, what the heck, man? What did I just do? You know, I really, I just had an eternity of doing crazy shit in the park slacklining, I did a poetry slam to a group of young women about transgender. They tore me apart, man. What else did I do? <laughs> yeah, I was just doing, you know, I was creating ripples. You know, I was just walking through town with my camera and I was making a show. I mean, I was giving basically pep talks to people about fear you know there were times where i was just you know because i'm in the park you know i can scream there's nobody and i had two friends with me so i felt also like you know i had a bit of support and i just started ranting about discrimination that happened during corona which I'm still doubting ever existed. But you can say that's just my opinion. I, I sometimes have the feeling I should be a little bit more careful. But if they want to judge you, they're going to judge you. And if I'm afraid to say what I feel is true, then I am also being suffocated. Because I have to have the right, and I have the right, 
Only I can take that away from me. Plus, you also have to consider the time. I mean, what they say about the Middle Ages, if I would have said that, they maybe would have beheaded me. Or stoned me. But if I speak the truth now, then the worst thing that can happen is, you know, if I speak friendly truth, just true truth, not just angry distortions of what is going on, because what is going on is that people are afraid. So if you keep, like, jumping on their backs about that they got vaccinated and that the state tried to force you to accept the vaccination, I mean, it's their attempt to help. But it's a very, like, you know, pick up the soap so I can, you know, screw you. You know, bend over. It's like rape. And that's what I'm criticizing. Yeah, because in that sense, I am an ape. I'm on a fucking rampage, mate. I'm on a fucking rampage. And no, this is probably not a child-friendly podcast. But if I go on a rampage, you know, I'm not out for a tussle, not out for blood. Well, maybe I am, but not like in the physical sense. Now, I want truth because that's what blood means. When you fight, you bleed. There's a kind of emotional bleeding and that's why I'm suffering. You know, somebody hates me. He doesn't have to pick up a knife. It's like he's thrusting a spear into me. That's what happens when you hate people. And that's why when people create porn... They're being subjected to a lot of hate. You know, all the frustration gets pumped into that woman. And that's why people start with loving amateur porn. And then after a while it gets dirtier and dirtier. Because they're ignorant of what they're doing. And I'm aware of it. Which why I say with the woman that I love... There will be no kissing in public because that subjects you to jealousy. Some people may think, oh, how beautiful it is. While others may think it's, yeah, indecent. I think it's the Quran. Where it says that you should hide your jewelry. You know, if you have like family heirlooms, gold, chains, diamonds or whatever, something precious. You shouldn't go around and showing off with it. Maybe wear it at home or something. Or just use it as a token of gratitude, a reminder 
towards the people you had in your life, but not as a material possession, but just as a spiritual connection to someone else, which is why you don't need a whole cellar full of stuff to remind you of your childhood. You just need to remember how you felt as a child and then to try to recreate that. Which is why basically you never need anything to remember anyone if you keep them in your heart, which is a heart part. It's the heart part, literally. And then the Muslims, you know, they also said it for hair and the whole female appearance. Why? Because if a man has a beautiful wife, then other men will be jealous. And some women, I believe, they don't like it. They prefer to be only there for their husband. And that's why I understand why they wear basically a disguise, why they cover themselves. So that only their husband can appreciate and love them. And that is something that I find beautiful. And I sometimes uh, wish my wife would do the same. Because to be honest, I'm quite greedy with the woman that I love. My wife. I'm quite greedy with her. And I would prefer it to just, you know, always be alone with her and my children. But then you also have to realize there are other people, like your parents, right? I mean, they raised you. And at one point, you should at least try to give back. Just spend time with them. And if something makes you angry, work with that. Ask yourself why. You know, what part of you is angry at your parents? Because maybe they didn't give you everything you thought you needed. Well, that's where the idea of giving yourself comes in. And now I realize the price you pay for smoking too much. It's you become very wobbly and tired. And it may also be that I'm smoking with tobacco. But it may also be the cannabis. Because I don't know the people who gave it to me. They said it's very good. I know hash is normally brown, but this hash was green, and they said it means that it's very fresh. I actually have to look that up because it feels very strange. Very, very wobbly. And I'm getting dizzy now. It is possible that it's because of the hash, because that's not normal. Recently, I came across something they call HHC here. And it's some kind of legal version of cannabis. And the way they say it is, it's a derivative or something. So you take CBD buds because they are allowed here i don't know how they make them if they are really cbd if it's a strain or if they're genetically modified you know it's hard for me to say or if it's just breeding but there are cbd buds 
And if you know anything about this, feel free, please, to email me, mail at christopher-reusch.com. I'm grateful for every information that you have for me because I'm too lazy to look up these things. So if you know how they produce CBD buds, if you know something about HHC and how it's being produced, if it's good or if I should stay away from it, please feel free to send it to me. Don't be shy. You know, I will acknowledge it if I can and remember. Just, yeah. If you have information that you would like me to be aware of, feel free to send it to me. Also, you know, feel free if you are struggling, if you have severe depression, to send me an email. You know, I'm quite strict, I'm quite straight. If you send me something, you know, I can feel how you feel. I'm just saying. I'm saying that so that you are aware that, you know, I really know what I'm doing. So if you send me an email, it's like opening a channel, which means we will be in direct contact. Which means you can even contact me with your mind. But I would prefer if you sent me an email and work with your problems. Because I also have to learn how to close my mind. Because I hear a lot of voices. I'm just saying that so that people who are going through similar things as I am know what is going on. The reason that I cannot take a normal job amongst others is also because I'm basically there are so many voices that I hear from people that I'm in connection with that it's hard to say who is me in all of that and I first had to learn to start to listen who's speaking because telepathy is real and I learned to distinguish the different forms of energy that I hear it's like in X-Men the Dark Phoenix they didn't really uh, show it in the newer movie but in the old X-Men movies um, she was also hearing voices and also Xavier heard voices and there are people who can hear thoughts and I am certainly one of them. And I can feel the intention of someone. And whether I have to put up more distance or whether they're just testing me. Because people can send you images basically of punching you or something. But if you feel they're actually friendly you can just stand there, right? It's like with a dog, right? A dog doesn't usually really want to bite you. He just wants to see, right, if he can trust you. So if he barks at you, you just have to stand still. Because he's afraid, that's why he's barking, right? 
He just wants to see, is that guy a friend or not? And once that friendship is established and that person can trust you or the dog, you know, it's safe. And then you can engage on a more playful level, but always, you know, trust takes time. But the experience you make with one person enables you also to trust other people because now you learned how to figure out you know, what's your fear and what is really happening. Because if you're afraid of being left, it's really hard to have a loving relationship with a woman. Because your fear of her leaving you, if it's unconscious, may drive you to do things that would manifest your fear. But when you're conscious of your fear, you can work with it, which is every time you're afraid, you start using some kind of practice, which for me is recording, but I haven't recorded in a while, so what do I do? I reflect, I try to quiet, I try to move as much as possible, which is why I walk a lot. I don't have a car, my bike has a flat tire, which I accept, so when I have to go somewhere, I'm walking, and that clears my mind, and it strengthens me because I also always walk in bare feet. And then I go into nature and I do my other practices and it works, absolutely. It helps with back pain, it helps with whatever depression is, with low points, with the valleys of life, it helps with my mood, right, I still feel anger. But it's more like an anger that actually gives me strength, that pushes me. Because anger is, of course, raw energy. It's a raw emotion. If you call it anger or fear, then you're going to react in a certain way. But what you want to learn is to feel the emotion and then to transmute it into something else, which is art, which is work. You know, you can be angry and that anger fires you to work with passion but if it's too much anger you're going to be destructive which is why you also have to work with all the things that trigger you because if it's like destructive means there's just too much energy inside of you and you need more outlets you need to start investing your energy into things which is why I keep making these images which is why I keep also learning how to cook, which is why I walk around, I speak with people, I also sleep a lot, I reflect a lot, I play chess, online chess. I've also played with people already. I've also played alone on the streets chess, right? Which is why I roll cigarettes when I want to smoke, because it gives me something to do. It's a transformative action. If you just take it out of the package and smoke it, it's different. If you like smoking and you want to keep smoking, I would suggest you learn how to roll. Because it's also really nice when you know how to roll a joint. Of course, it may be better to just stop smoking. But I have to say, at this point, smoking also helps me. And tobacco also helps me to settle down a little. It grounds me. But if I only just take tobacco, it's not the same effect. That's why I mix it with sage. 
And it's also good to sometimes puff, to not always inhale the smoke, but to just puff it. And let's say you take it into your cheeks and then you consciously blow the smoke on your hands and you take the smoke and wash it through your hair and your beard and your face, right? You blow in your hand and then you move it through your hair. You blow on your arms. It's a smoke ceremony, man. Listen, if you walk around the city with a smudge stick, everybody's gonna be like, what the fuck is he doing? If you go around and you say to people, I'm cleansing the energy from area, uh, the area from energy, you know what they're gonna say? They're gonna say, you know, they're gonna demonize you because it's weird for them. They've never seen it, you know? They don't know what their standpoint to this is supposed to be. And I've done that. And I've realized that if I tell people what I'm doing, they're getting scared. Sometimes I just scare them a little on purpose. Just to show them there is there is another level of going about things, right? So I realized, you know, you can roll a cigarette made of sage. And then you just walk through the city. And you just puff it. And you blow it in a way, you know, where you say that's purification. I do that sometimes. And it creates a holy space around me because it dissolves energy patterns. And that's a good way to just start energetically cleaning the city without having to pick up a broom or something or without having to, you know, massage everyone. You just clear the energy of the space. But you also have to realize that if you do such things, you're engaging on an energetic level, which is why you also have to cleanse yourself. Which is why showering, taking a bath with lemon in it, or let's say eucalyptus oil, or cloves, can even take a grapefruit and then cleanse yourself with this. You put it in the water, and then you take the peel, like the shell, and you rub your skin with it, your arms, your skin, everything. You can even, you know, put the lemon juice onto your hair and rinse it. Because that clears your aura. You know, you can even go to the forest and pick up some debris and rub your arms with it, rub your legs with it. You know, of course, there's plants that help you to do it. The stinging nettle, I'm just saying, be a little bit careful. I have used it, you know, basically like spanked myself on my neck and shoulders. But I've also, you know, it was intense. You know, it can drive you insane. I'm telling you, it's like, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, the stinging nettle is one of the most powerful healing plants that I've come across. But it's acupuncture, basically. It's better to do it when you're in a sauna. It's better to do it when you're in a sauna. Because then you're, you know, you're already open. 
and because I usually did it when I was just like you know man it's better in a sauna it's the effect is uh, much more bearable anyway I think I'm coming to a close here I certainly want to look up um, if green hash is actually if it exists or if they just screwed me over um, I'm just say thank you for listening um, keep looking out for bonus episodes I'm not sure how often I'm gonna do them but I think it's time to freshen up the content a little um, yeah cheers and enjoy <laughs>